right. All right, so um, you just got back from uh, SHOT Show. I didn't go this year, All but... Right. Good old Las Vegas. <laughs> it's nice to be home. It is nice to be home. But it was a it was a wild year. Um, it's gonna it's definitely gonna be an interesting year for the uh, gun industry for sure. So I didn't go this year. I've gone, I don't know how many of the last couple besides twenty twenty. I didn't. It was we didn't have it or twenty twenty one. It got canceled, right? I think I started going. Yeah, I started going in twenty twelve. The first one I skipped from twenty twelve was the the year COVID canceled it, and then the one after that I didn't go, and then I've been back ever since. You're at least eight nine years in. Yeah, it's. Uh, Crazy amount of shot shows. I I wish they would bounce that thing around. I think I'm, I've gone to four or five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the big thing with shot show is most years people just go and they're incredibly disappointed because yeah. there's not a lot of cool stuff released. And that's definitely been the last couple of years. There's not there's been like a ton of innovation. There's not been like a ton of new stuff. There might be like a hodgepodge. But, like, this year was crazy. Like, just Palmetto State Armory was wild. And granted, a lot of their stuff is coming soon or concept. But the amount of stuff that they teased or released is just insane. This is the year, of, like, that I think everybody's been waiting for where they people are actually releasing new products. It's not, oh, we're making the same AR we've made forever, but we slightly changed one feature on the rail, and we're calling it, you know, yeah. massive innovation. This is actual new guns that are not based off an AR, a Glock, or a 1911. And there is this is kind of the year of 2011 clones. Like, I saw more budget 2011 yeah. clones. That's kind of annoying. There's The AR-9 train is still running, but we had multiple lever guns. We had the Hudson H9. Yeah. That, so a couple, couple cool guns to talk about. We'll start with Daniel Defense. So... Daniel Defense released the re-released the Hudson H9, which is now called the Daniel H9. Um, cool gun. Actually got one. Got to do a review. Um, put a thousand rounds through it. It's uh, it's smooth shooting gun. It's it's pretty cool. But I think they're gonna have them at dealers already. Like I think you're gonna have a decent shot at getting one. Um, and the price point is thirteen hundred, which is halfway decent. I mean, it's don't get me wrong, it's expensive for a handgun, but Sig's got comparable handguns in that price range you're, you're getting an all-metal gun it is all metal yep it is not just a clock with a metal frame or a sig p320 yeah with a metal frame this is an actual new gun from a company that has long-standing history you know daniels it's very unlikely that you're not gonna have factory support from daniel defense correct and there's a lot of people asking so like i put up a couple of videos um, on YouTube, did a breakdown, and everybody's asking about the interchangeability of the parts. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a lot. I think Daniel took the what was wrong with the Hudson and tried to fix it. So I did see one video on there, and the Daniel rep said that there's only one part in the entire gun, and it's a spring. Yeah, I think like a trigger return spring. Yeah, that so is that unfortunately the problems that they had and the things that broke in the Hudson are still going to remain broke. And they can try to be mad at Daniel for that, but they literally had to rework this gun so the gun ran you know and it didn't break so you can't be too mad at him for trying to make the gun work um but also daniel uh announced a pcc it's not available i think it'll probably be so, i mean it's gonna be sometime this year um a lot of companies said q2 what that means is anywhere Q4, yeah, or, yeah, 2025 or anywhere in those three months of q2 but who knows you know um the PCC felt really good. It felt Daniel Defense. Um, it was solid. Uh, the rail was good. 
Lockup was good. And they're going to use CZ Scorpion mags. And as somebody who has a buttload of CZ Scorpion mags, I'm like, okay. The but, big problem I have with AR9s is everyone I've shot is either they're not really a good training tool for mm-hmm. a full-size AR because the recoil impulse is either like nothing or there's a crap ton of... Yeah, it's, it's a lot different. <sighs> I, they have their space, and I think a lot of where AR9s are winning right now for whatever reason are like city law enforcement, metropolitan law enforcement agencies. Because you don't have the overpenetration of the 5.56 round. And, it's an ammo selection issue, but... Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> but, I mean, I just think they're really popular in, in that aspect. And I think a lot of foreign um, yeah, military and law enforcement agencies like the, the AR-9 or, you know, subcompact 9. You know, BNT has been winning a ton of contracts around the world at countries that you wouldn't really think would be spending that kind of money on 9-millimeter so platforms. We went by. I went by the B and T booth. Also, we were supposed to have Brad on here, and uh, unfortunately, his Micah we have at home. Yeah, Micah at home. If you're Grand Thumb, uh, our Brad looks like Micah's not twin brother, but they're very similar. If we get him some like '80s clear rim glasses, and I think I need to buy some online and just ship them to him. Yeah. So, (laughs) he's our Micah at home. So uh, he he went to shot. It was his first time. We were really hoping to get his kind of perspective on. On what a first-time shot goer would would experience. Um, yeah, but, but his wife's been dealing with sick kids all week while he's been off in Vegas. So it's yeah. So he <laughs> he obviously had to uh, he he had to bail out on us, which I understand. But um, uh, we did, we went to the B and T booth, and uh, the, man, that it's awesome. Talked to one of their engineers, showed us their little like covert. I can't remember the, the model. Three hundred blackout. Or? No, I think this one was the. Uh, so it might have been the nine. It's like it was like the GMH nine that folded up. Gotcha. I can't that remember. Cool. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. But he showed it to us, and I was like, "Dang, it folded down." It was it was pretty cool. But I think I think they call it the SPR. Have you seen their bolt action three hundred blackout uh, integrally suppressed or something integrally suppressed? But it's an over the barrel suppressor. That, yeah, that the, now has a one in five twist. Oh wow! So it's like seven grand, but yeah, it, well, it's B and T, but they they make some really cool stuff and. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, I've reviewed and shot some of their stuff before, and it's, it's uh, they make some cool stuff. I, I really like their five five six and three hundred blackout style guns, but they're also wildly expensive for <laughs> what they are. But yeah, um, they have some cool stuff. They didn't really release a whole lot new, except that little fold up thing. But there was a lot new release, but there was also a lot of companies like Beretta. The incremental improvements are actually really solid. Mm-hmm. Langdon. If you're a fan of landing guns, that PX4, the full-size one, they released a thicker barrel profile, so it's the same barrel profile they use on their 40 cal. And then they're now shipping the PX4s that have the option to ship them with a flat trigger made by Grey Guns like they have on the P30 series. Mm-hmm. I've been eyeing the PX4s on landing site forever and just haven't pulled the trigger. You keep sending me the link. I'm <laughs> like, well, you want me yeah. to buy it? What do you want me to do? I don't want it. Well, I'm <laughs> hoping you'll buy it, and I'll shoot it, and I won't like it. Well. But... but um, the they, one speaking of incremental improvements, though, uh, I caught a lot of flack. Well, some flack, some a lot of people agree with me, but Glock, Glock is just plain hodgepodge with <laughs> slides and frames, and you're not really seeing it. And I know Gaston just passed, but like I'm a Glock fanboy, you know that. Uh, people but, probably won't believe it, but like we have a chat between him and my uh, design guy, my CAD designer, and he's a CZ guy. Michael is a 
I'm a slot guy. Yeah. I'm a start like every time he brings up the you know sends a CZ photo, I'm like that's a really ugly Glock. It probably doesn't even work as good. But I'm a I'm a big Glock fan. Um, and you know, I, but I also have to hate on them because it's like y'all are gonna get left behind. Like yes, your your firearms work functionally; they work. But everybody else is pushing. There's so many Gen three like. There was a lot of innovation at Glock, but there was equally as much. Let's make a Glock Gen three. Um, everybody has their flavor of Glock Gen three now. Yeah, um, I don't think it's eaten away from besides PSA and Shadow Systems. Yeah, I don't think the rest of them are eaten away at no. any of Glock's because market. if you want a Glock, you want a Gen five. Like, yeah. or at least I do. The Gen fives are significantly better guns than yes, the Gen threes. They're they're fantastic, and I want MOS, and I want factory MOS. I don't have to. Send my slide in after I just paid for the gun. You've played with the Shadow Systems guns. Yeah, yeah. Their recoil impulse is not nearly as good as a Gen Five. Correct. Uh, or at least I'm talking about the uh, the full size MR series. Yes. The little CR ones that are based off the 43X and the 48. They shoot about on par with a you know slimline Glock. But unless you really like the looks of those guns, which they do look awesome. There's no reason not to get a Gen Five over that, right? The and Gen Fives are awesome. That's what I struggle with. I mean, the the da- the PSA dagger, yeah. Um, it, it's it's essentially a, a Glock clone, um, but the price but, point, but the price point, and I mean, there are some differences. The trigger is different, and there's some other stuff going on there. But the price point, you, that's where they're winning. You know, Shadow Systems is selling a really expensive Glock. Yeah, um, clone. I think it's actually a decent value with the sights and right. I mean, the it's but it is just like I said, more expensive. Yeah. Not say it's not worth it with the trigger sights, you know, all this jazz. But, but if you don't care about that stuff, yeah. Then but if you don't, then Gen Five Glock. Yeah. And where they're really going to continue to sell, and and maybe this is where the Glock. First of all, Glock's killing me with the numbers. The forty nine now. Uh, it, I the, agree with you. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, look at SIG. Well, look at Smith & Wesson. Well, Smith & Wesson, we don't even need to talk about the MMP so, line. SIG's getting just as bad. I get so many people that I have all these little things when people order a holster. Does not fit this. Does fit this. Because SIG, everything is P365 now or P320. Yeah. And one letter different. And unless you're really a geek about this stuff and you know. Yeah. I, I have customers now just say, hey, go on SIG site. Send me an exact link to the product page of the gun that you own. Or send me the exact skew on the box to verify. Right. Because they say, oh, I have a SIG compact. Well, is the X compact that has a 3.6-inch barrel or the regular compact that has a 3.9-inch barrel? And it makes a difference. It does. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, Glock's not quite that bad. But, you know, I just, just the whole, let's just switch slides out and change the, the name, it's just... The, the 49 I, should have been the 19L. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I did see one comment, so I commented on I commented on Glock's post, and I was just like, this is the gun nobody was asking for. And then everybody's like, everybody's asking for it. I'm like, not everybody, because you look at the comments, and I got the most likes of any other comment in the section. Yeah. But um, it's like, obviously, you know, people are looking for a little bit more from you, Glock. Like, you've done this whole, we'll switch slides out. You could have done that and also been making something new. Like, I'm not going to go down the 5.7 rabbit hole, but it would have been cool just to see something, dip your foot into something unique. Glock's got to get away from the polymer-coated steel line magazines because that is a ma- – look at the shield mags. Look at the PSA mags. Yeah. 
in the Glock 48. They and they're going to have to change their magazine release from polymer to metal. They need to basically open themselves up yep. to, I still think they need to stick with polymer. They are a polymer pistol manufacturer. Did you ever see that AR they made? Actually, I saw a, I saw a photo. Um, I actually think that would do well in the U.S. market. I do I know too. It'd be like I mean, thirty five hundred bucks, but but see, you're gonna have the people. You're gonna have the Glock fanboys. Yeah, you know, if Glock dropped an AR, I would. I'm just a sucker. Now, it, well, and it's small units for Glock, but they would sell ten to fifteen thousand units of that first year right off the bat, and it would be a, even if only making fifteen thousand units. Yeah, it would be a hard gun to find, and you guys can go on the ATF site and look at. I think they've got the 2022 numbers. They're up always now. really behind. Yeah, they're like two years behind. But you can yeah. look at the numbers of these rifle manufacturers making. You'll be surprised. Like, what was Daniel Defense? I think maybe 50,000 rifles or something. I don't even remember. Yeah. Either way, the numbers are surprising. You see PSA with a ton of guns, SIG with a ton of guns. But, Sue, like, the, the way they break them up, you have complete rifles, then you have receivers, yeah. and so, like, you got to make sure when you're looking at those numbers, you're taking that into account. And and when they manufacture a AR pistol, it's not going to be in the rifle caliber ca- category. Correct. So yeah. um, you do have to look at all that and then combine it. And then you know, and I don't think the SBRs fall under the rifles. They may because I they're still rifles. They might be a yeah, separate. It may be. I don't. I'm not. Don't quote us on that. Yeah, that. but, but so, some of these manufacturers that have big presence. You'd be surprised they only make like two thousand guns a year. Yeah. And like these these niche ones like Noveski, you'd be yeah. very surprised. Yeah. Um, you'd think, oh, man, they're making so many guns. Like, no, they're making less guns than you think, but they're very expensive. And then you look at a gun company like Staccato, mm-hmm. and you're like, holy crap, they are moving some serious yeah. volume and numbers. And same with Kimber. Mm-hmm. Kimber's production numbers always surprise me, considering the fact they really only sell it a select number of dealers, dealers yeah. and then Bass Pro and Cabela's. Yeah, which I think they're they're expanding that because yeah. they have, like, I think you can get them at, like, Davidson's and Lipsy's, the the wholesalers now, I believe. They've got a couple of wholesalers, yeah. but still not. Yeah, still got a niche. Yeah. Sometimes they'll also make you be like a stocking dealer, and you got to buy into a program. So uh, I know years ago it was like fifty thousand dollars in inventory. Yeah, which... but I think there a lot of a lot of them are coming off of that because it's very prohibitive for yeah. them to get into it. So, but um, so Daniel released the cool stuff. PSA, man, like that is wild. It, like they dropped so many concept guns it was crazy but like the one the one complaint i have and it's just because it's a selfish complaint is all that stuff is conceptual or coming soon and you know with psa and any company in manufacturing both of those mean either never or coming soon could be sometime in the next five years yeah so there's some things i will say so like the the saber dagger line which is, if you're not familiar with PSA, the Saber line is their new kind of like, it's it's their premium line, if you will. Um, the they're bringing out Saber daggers, so those are coming soon. I expect those to actually happen relatively soon. Hopefully, they'll have a better trigger shoe. So, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have a totally different trigger. Like it's a, I can't remember. I got some pictures. That's but, the one thing I don't like about the dagger out of the box. Yeah, I, I don't. I would change the trigger immediately. It's not really the fill of the trigger. I just don't like that articulating trigger shoe like the Smith and Wesson. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it like breaks and it's weird. Yeah. Um, but these have like different Serico options. They have a laser stippled grip. Like it, it's a really big step up. Um, and they had like cons- like they had the saber dagger, uh, micro dagger. Um, you know those are 
selling like hotcakes right now because they're like the 43x what have you seen those and i don't know if that's a saber line or not but they have the port on the front like yes. the macro mm-hmm. the sig macro yep and they were selling those for like 4.99 with a hollow sun 507k or 407k either way it doesn't matter you're getting the gun for like four, 350 bucks after you subtract the hollow sun on top yeah that's an incredible value yeah <clears throat> that's they already offer that now, but the Saber Dagger line would actually, they would change the milling on the slide and stuff, so you'd have some more advanced milling. So those, I think, are probably imminent so, before most of these other concept concept guns that they've released. So personally, the most excited gun that's here now for me at SHOT was the H9, just personally. Yeah. That was the biggest. But PSA, what they have coming, as a brand, they're hitting that right price point. And like, there's a lot of guns that I wouldn't necessarily buy at four or five grand, which is what if anybody else made them, these guns would come in at because they'd be low production. Yeah. But did you see that gun uh, with the roller lock jackal, basically? But it's got a uh, more of like an AK style gas block. Oh, the uh, the Vulk. <sighs> that sounds right. It looks like a video game gun. It looks like something. Yep. It's uh, it's like a seven six two jackal essentially, but it's like an AK. No, this one's uh, they're gonna offer it in five five six, I think, but it's gonna take AK max. But it's a jackal. Uh, yeah, it's still the, yeah, it's the Volk. Yeah. Either way, that but gun. Looks so awesome. all those guns, they they did say that they'd work through the caliber. So like yeah, five five six, and then naturally they'd probably do five four five, and then three hundred blackout. And, I don't think there's any reason at this point for them. To, I think five five six is probably yeah. I think five four five is kind of like at the back, but you know PSA owns AAC, and so once AAC starts making five four five ammo, it's all back on the table. Cor- yeah, but, but I still think that's probably oh yeah, gonna be a while. it's going to be a while, dude. All this stuff's going to be a while. But um, that that one that one surprised me. I didn't love the look of it at first, but when I held it, I was like, this is pretty nice actually. So that is not a gun that I'd want for. Like realistic use, it's never a gun that I had to grab gun. a rifle. Yeah. yeah, it's a fun gun. I'm gonna put like some freaking bootleg Russian or like Soviet era optic on it. I'm ordering an optic from Uzbekistan or something. Taping stuff on the gun. It's a video game movie prop looking gun. There's one gun that I'm very excited about. First of all, I, I like the Jackal. I have a an SBR Jackal with the the yeah. CR at home stock. Um, they made that, but in 308. So it's essentially a scar. I'll be honest, the 308 version to me looks better. It does. I don't even know why. Maybe it's because of the size, and we want to see a scar. Yeah. So it's like when they blew it up for the 308, it was like, ooh. Well, and it looks great with that Lancer bag. Yeah. Like that. And, and I think that's another one of those guns that's going to be sooner rather than later. So unless there's something crazy in the in the R&D world that, that, that sets that gun back, uh, I think you'll see that sooner rather than And later. it's probably going to be a sub-$1,500 price point, I yes. think. Yeah, with the with that stock. Yeah. Um, so uh, I and expect to see that one. For those soon. of you guys who aren't familiar with 308 ARs, basically it's really hard to get something solid. Like I understand the Smith & Wesson MP10 is pretty solid, but that's a bare-bones rifle. Those are still, what, 1100 Somewhere in there, the SIG... 7.16i mm-hmm. is a pretty good gun. I've heard good things about yeah, it. Yeah, I've got one. But those are still sixteen, seventeen hundred bucks. So yeah. Have, yeah. Having a solid 308 semi-automatic platform for under 
fifteen hundred dollars is rare. Yeah. And now some there's some of them are seven, eight hundred bucks. One of the guns will run great, but your chances of getting that are it's yeah. a percentage gain. It is. And let's see, just uh not go down the three oh eight rabbit hole. They also have bolt guns that they announced as conceptual and also a like build a bear shotgun. Yeah. And that one's kind of wild to me. Um, we'll see how that does. I, I was the shotgun was what I was the least excited about, and I'm still kind of on the fence about it. But I did see that Steve Fisher is one of the consultants on that project. For people not familiar with Steve Fisher, he was with Magpul Dynamics back in the day. He owns Sentinel Concepts. He's a very well known industry trainer, and he kind of specializes more in being a jack of all trades, generalized type guy does a lot with shotguns uh scout rifles that sort of thing so he very good person to bring in yep. to consult on a project like that and seeing psa bring those type people in and you know they've got tom victor from fn they've got he's just the only one i recognize but they brought so many people in mm-hmm. from fn and these other firearms companies like they are hiring right yeah, they are hiring <laughs> a big time um but yeah, so PSA just has a ton of stuff. Like it, we could go through the whole. Like, there's stuff I'm not even mentioning, but yeah, they they had an incredible booth. Oh, the, the MP7 at home. Yes, the MP7 <laughs> at home. Let's not forget that. That's probably the most important one. Um, Jamin was, he was there. He was walking it around because you know we were there first thing Monday, and he was kind of walking around showing people, letting them hold it, and uh, it it's based on the the five seven rock. Um. And he threw out a price that I'm not going to repeat just simply because I think it's going to end up being more. Like, I, it was ridiculously low so for what that is. I don't know what he threw out, but I heard multiple videos online. It was around $1,000. That's what he said, but I just don't even – I don't even know. So what's a rock sell for? A little under 500 Yeah. I'm not sure when he says it's based off the rock. Are they just saying it uses the same magazine and magazine release, or is it different slide? What – what components does it share? But if it could, if it's more or less a chassis system, it's I like think a chassis could, system. But I will say it's not. It's. Do you think they have a standard rock slide that they then mill so the AR charging handle interacts with it? And I think that that is part. Like when you look at it, you if you look in the ejection port, it does look like a rock slide in there. But when you look at the actual gun itself. It is mold like the hand grip and everything is molded to the upper half, so it's not like they just took a rock and shoved it into a chassis. No, but I, if they're using the rock slide, they're using obviously rock magazines, which is verified mm-hmm. rock recoil spring assembly, and they just have to create new controls and that chassis. The design time on that and the cost, I can see how they can make. And bless <coughs> you, but what um what. Jamin was saying at the booth was basically they've, I guess they've acquired an injection molding company. Yep. And so they're just waiting to get the production and get the mold done and complete and production ready and then make make the The fact the that they're using the rock as the base, I think their design time on this is not. I bet you we'll see it by the end of the year. Yes. I'm still pretty confident. In that. Yeah. I think you definitely will see this gun at the end of the year, but I think it's gonna drop like Q three. Yeah. I think Q three is early. Um and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna hit that price point. You know what I really hope is I we, we have a poor PSA set up and I'm really hoping 
that they're in production on that thing. When we do tour PSA, we get to see it being made. That would be awesome. Not going to say when. Yeah. Just we're going to tour PSA. So that's going to be cool. So I'm there, really there are, we're, we're basically, <laughs> we're their hat because we're North Carolina and they're South Carolina. So they're like our little Mexico down there. But <laughs> we're going to slide on down there and see see everything they got going on. But um, we're the consumers, they're the producers. <laughs> yeah. But either way, they're uh, really cool folks over at PSA, though. Um, it, it was really cool to see Jamin, the green owner, just walking around with the, the X57, just showing it to everybody. So but, my, my first AR was a PSA parts build. My dad got me a lower, and then I bought, it was like four ninety nine or something back in the day, mm-hmm. chrome line barrel. There weren't many options for building ARs around this time period. And I was like 16, 17 years old. Uh and it didn't become my gun until I was 18. But the – I'm just – I've talked a lot of crap about PSA in the past because I do think there's certain points where the budget and the quality control did. They did not – they were a company, though, that they're just trying to make stuff better. I mean, they're constantly trying to improve. Their quality control is definitely getting better. I'd say it's um, – I haven't heard many problems about PSA stuff unless no. it's mix and match of components. So, and I mean, there's always that, that can, and, and the big boys have it too. Yeah. You just don't hear about it as much. Um, well, in PSA, the volume, the they're, volume putting. they're putting out and at the price point, everybody's like, Oh, they're compromising on something. I'm like, not necessarily. I mean, they, they, they're vertically integrated and there's things that you gain from being vertically integrated where you're not having to pay profit on the springs you manufacture or the, you know, your bolt doesn't have 20 or 30% margin for, you know, the, the other company. They make everything so, but the springs, I think, right? They might even make the springs now. I don't, I don't know. They've been, they acquire they, everything. They will eventually. Yeah. yeah. That, like, they, I have no doubt in that. But they make almost every component of that rifle and making every component of that rifle. And also, they sell direct. Yeah. They're not selling. So you're not taking, most guns have a distributor and a dealer markup. They are selling to you direct. So they are probably making more than your average manufacturer. But they're charging; they're able to charge you less because that's their business model. And there's some bad things about that because it'd be great if their guns were available at dealers and that sort of thing. But that gives them a lot of money to put back into investing into the product itself. Yeah, because they have the vertical integration along with cutting out the dealer and distributor. Yeah, and we'll talk more about PSA. But yeah, um, the other thing is, I think this is going to be the year of the lever action rifle. So who so Stag and Smith and Wesson? Who else? Stag, Stag and Arrow. Arrow is the parent company of Stag. Yeah. So they both are dropping a version of lever action rifle. Smith and Wesson dropped one, and Henry dropped a magazine fed lever action. Yeah, rifle. that's kind of expected. Um, and of course, uh, Marlin, who's now owned by Ruger, um. Drop like an eighteen ninety four night version or, or something like that. I don't quote me on the name. I, there was so many. It's been a long three days. I just got back yesterday, so it's like I'm still recovering. Um, but they they dropped a, a nice one. Um, and but the thing with Marlin is like I don't ever see him. Like I hardly ever see him in stock. And they started to come back in a little bit towards December, but uh, it's hard to find the best, Marlins. The best way to keep tabs on those is through a gun broker because what you'll see is msrp is like 1400 you'll see them come in stock and they're like 1200 1100 something on gun broker and then all of a sudden they're 17 1800 bucks getting close to two grand 
just based off how much inventory. Availability. Yeah. But I think, um, of course, arrows and stags are not available yet. Um, I think everybody, again, was touting that Q2, which means somewhere in 2024, you know, um, it really means, you know, the, the second three months in 2024. Yeah. But in layman's terms, it's like you can expect it sometime this year um, if you're lucky. But the stag, honestly, like, so Arrow took the tactical side. Yeah. Um, it has a monolithic uh, hand grip and, like and top rail. Yeah. Um, but the, the rail is all one piece, so you can, of course, mount whatever you want to the top. Um, like, a, your optic can be mounted. That, I think that's a good fit for it, the company. It, it is. Um, and it, it was surprising. Well, they, they had a lot of forty five seventy, but I think they're also going to have the cowboy calibers. Okay. Um, the cowboy pistol rounds. So, um, forty four, thirty eight, yeah, yeah, forty four, seven, uh, three fifty seven. You know, but um, I personally like the stags the best. Um, they had the woodstock, and they also had one other that was like the stainless and and wood, I believe. Um, but they also had like the, I don't know if it's blue. I, I doubt it. It's probably yeah. Cerakote or something. But I'm not hundred percent. I I gotta be honest, man. I was impressed with the Smith and Wesson, not from. If I wanted to buy a stock lever gun, mm-hmm. that gun had a good set of sights on it, and the rail, like it looked the stainless steel version at least, with the polymer buttstock, it just looked like a very rugged, practical. Yep. If you're gonna throw something on your side by side, if it's gonna be the gun you carry with you into the field, truck gun, uh, airplane gun, that sort of thing, that it's I'd say it's kind of like the Glock 20. Like I've got a buddy got a plane flies up in alaska and i went up there and flew around with him this summer all the pilots up there have clock 20s or clock 29s because they're somewhat disposable they drop them in a pond they lost a 500 dollars clock they're not losing their 3500 hundred dollar wilson combat 1911 or a irreplaceable 1500 dollars revolver or something yeah so mm-hmm. i don't like float planes so yeah but yeah i mean i really think this is like the year of the lever gun if all these lever guns come out um, that's the only thing that like PSA didn't announce was a lever gun. <laughs> they went to bolt shotguns, like they went all over the place. But um, and no word on the PSA on like the uh, uh, the M14 clones or M1 Grands. Nothing, nothing on the gr- that would be from the H and R side. Yeah. So there's nothing on that. Nothing on the nothing new on the STG 44. The crank. We well, didn't talk about the crank, but the crank is. I think the crank is imminent. The five five six crank is is like imminent. They've got it up on the site. Yeah. Well, they got a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have the SD. If they, put yeah, they don't have the, Yeah, they don't have this. If they put it up on the site, maybe not everything in that line will be shipping soon, but something in that line will be shipping. Yeah, soon. Yeah, the the crank's gonna probably ship soon. Of course, it's just it's gonna be the five five six crank, but yeah. it, it'll be shipping very soon, I believe. I am a five four five fanboy. Five four five does not make no, sense right it's now in so the U.S. Expensive. market. It's stupid expensive because everything you got going on in Ukraine, pretty much. And well, that not just that, but we import a lot of uh, ammo from Russia. Mm-hmm. All the permits ended in November of this year. Yep. So, so until we get a U.S. manufacturer of five four five, and there's some five four five coming in from uh, some of the other former Soviet states, but it's coming in a trickle, and we haven't built up those relationships and the, that import process yeah. yet. Yeah. But I'm not paying seventy five cents. Remember, I showed you where it was almost a dollar around for five four five. You can buy the Hornady 
like match grade five yeah. four five for the same price you can buy steel case right now. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. That's it, how you know it's too expensive. Brass case seven six two by thirty nine is basically the same price as steel cased right now. Yeah. Like who buys brass seven sixty? <laughs> I mean, I would now, but oh, yeah. I never bought it before. Yeah. It because before it didn't make sense. Mm-mm. You could buy the other stuff for half the price. Yeah. Uh, and like they AKs just eat it anyway, so yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I, the ammo situation is kind of weird too. But I mean, I don't think like our standard stuff, our five five six or nine millimeter, has all come back. It's good. It's short yeah. up. It's expensive. It's it's more expensive than it was, but I think it's settled in to where it's going to be. Like that's just the price you need to know that that's what you're going to pay so now. You saw, I think it was Winchester announced the price increases. They said that mm-hmm. uh, powder costs something were going twenty percent. So expect, I think like ten percent price increases across the board at distribution level or something. And all these ammo online retailers have been pushing that. I have not seen that in, that for, that old inventory moving. Like I think people are kind of bought well, out. So, which I saw saw massive buying of ammo right around black friday i think they had a lot of deals and so i think everybody stocked up on ammo and you know kind of hate to say hoard it because i mean we we have you know you want to have a good amount to where you can go shoot and doesn't totally deplete you i mean i remember the days taking a couple boxes out there and you shot every bit of ammo you had and you went home dry and i'm like that's terrible don't do that yeah you know me i'd do not let yourself get below three years worth of ammo. What a, you know, if you shoot fifty rounds a year, have one hundred and fifty rounds of ammo. Yeah. If you shoot fifteen thousand rounds a year, have forty five thousand rounds of ammo. I don't know who's shooting that, but there's. I want to be competitors. friends. With, I want to be friends with them. A lot of competitors do yeah, shoot that. I'm hang out with them on the side, yeah. but. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of other stuff we saw. Let's go. Hollow Sun's killing it. Like, man, I wish. It's gonna sound but. As a, as a U.S. manufacturer of sewn goods, I wish there was an optics company doing what they were doing in the U.S. I know it would be more expensive. I know it would be crazy expensive, but I don't care. Like, I, I wish we had a... Here's where Holosun is killing it. A lot of foreign companies are just disconnecting the culture. Glock being a key example mm-hmm. of that. Holosun is a Chinese-owned, I believe, yep. manufacturer. They have hired some awesome consultants. They, they've done a really good job of hiring the right people. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously very in tune with what the U.S. market wants because, yeah. I mean, they're going after thermal. They're going after, I don't even know what you want to call it, the digital pistol night. stuff. I don't know if that, yeah, the night vision stuff. I don't know if the digital pistol stuff will catch on, but they're making, they have a huge windowed optic, a rifled windowed optic, and, man, it is incredible. Like, I, you know, Weighs like eight ounces or something Man, is what I heard, it's, too. Yeah, it's not heavy, but it's ma- the window is massive. So, like, it doesn't mess up your sight picture. And they're they're doing some pretty awesome stuff. And, like, that's uh, just oh – I just wish it was – wish it was like a U.S. <laughs> – it was like EOTech. <laughs> they released the uh, the Amy module. The, mm-hmm. What do they call it? The Iris? Yep. That looks solid. I've seen some stuff, some conflicting – but. They're, and they're always slow on their night vision releases. Yeah, but anything to do with IR or night vision, yeah. they're slow. Well, understandably, I mean, if it's you're, if you're new to it, it is what it is. You know, they've been you, doing it for years now. But well, yeah, but new products, you you know, you want to yeah. try to trickle them out just in case there is an issue. There's not as many out there that you got to bring back and fix and whatever. But I, I mean, I just think they're 
they're focused on the right things, um, which is which is half the battle. You know, focus on what's going to sell. And I, I did see quite a few. I don't know if there was more, but maybe I just noticed them more. There was more night vision and thermal companies this year than there ever has been. And I think night vision is still wildly expensive, and thermal is still wildly expensive, but it's more affordable than it's ever been. My understanding on night vision is we're not going to see significant price drops at this point due to limitations and improving the technology much more. And I think whoever can get night vision to where you're not paying – you know, entry fee to night vision is what three grand for a single minimum tube. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Typically. that's if like gen, like a higher end gen tube. Yeah, and thermal is a little bit better. I mean, you yeah. can get thermal rifle scopes for a few hundred bucks, but the quality of picture and stuff is it, it's better than what it was. But it's just not. I think you can get a functional one for like East Coast. If we were going to hunt pigs in this area, I think for fifteen hundred bucks, oh yeah, get something that's solid. Yeah, and like half the time the price increases is, is the feature set. Like, um, when we bought Armasite, they had some really cool stuff. Some of the stuff they were releasing, like, it had it had shot recognition, which I think a lot of them do, but um, just the, the rundown we got on this one was, you know, it works like a police body camera. So it's always recording, but when it hears, you know, when, when it senses a trigger fire, it rolls it back 10, 15, 30 seconds or whatever, and captures all that video going forward of of the, f- the firing of the gun. And so everything it sees. So that's cool. So it's not constantly, you know, you don't stand a chance of accidentally leaving recording and recording over your mess. You just, boom, and it captures the shooting part, and you're good to go. Um, the clip-on IR stuff is, is pretty incredible, too. Um, again, the only one we really dove into was Armasite. I'm sure the rest of them are are equally as good, so I'm not, like, outing or, you know, saying any company. There's one, so many one company, Yeah, one company. shot show, and it's hard to... You can't, dude, it's, like, it's massive. It's acres and acres and acres. But, um, yeah, the clip-on was cool because you didn't have to have the site perfectly lined up, just the, you know, the reticle had to be in the... In, and it was just like having a, your own thermal scope. So if you already got a high-quality scope, you just get one of the clip-ons for the thermal, and you've got thermal, and you can have it on or off. I've never played with that stuff, but that makes so much more sense to me, having something I can just throw it on the front, use multiple mm-hmm. rifles with it, not have to set something up specifically for, yep. you know, going and getting a nice gun and then setting up specific prior use or thermal use yeah. is somewhat pain in the butt. Oh, yeah, and, and the, it's cost prohibitive. Like, the clip-ons, yeah. they, were, they were still, like, probably 1500 bucks, but it's like now, what if, I mean, what if you've got a Swarovski scope or a Night Force scope on your gun? You're not gonna. You don't want to go buy a whole nother thermal scope to well, replace your already very high end scope. So you just grab you a thermal clip on. I'd love to have thermal on my Honey Badger SD. Do I really need to go buy another Honey Badger SD? Wait for two NFA stamps just to throw thermal on it. Yeah, or constantly taking the thermal off, or taking you know the more practical thing would be to yeah. take the one off, put the other on. But then you have to recite it in. Yeah, and you got to recite it, and that's a whole nother you know bag of worms there but yeah you end up using it you end up just buying another gun for well yeah i mean if you're constantly you know using both but um and not everybody has a range in their backyard yeah that's nice but even so i wouldn't want to be changing my optics in and out because i'm not like like you know sometimes i don't know what's zeroed yeah (laughs) now 
you know, I know there's a handful of guns that are zeroed, but like I, like the hunting rifles, I'm like, uh, I don't know if they're zeroed or not. He's got a bunch of guns he uses for content. Yeah, and you swap stuff in and out. And... Yeah, so he might shoot a group with the gun, see what the group is, but he doesn't care if it's three inches off. He's not going to just... Right, if it hits steel, that's usually adequate yeah. for me for the purposes of what I'm what I'm trying to accomplish at that yeah. time. Now, of course, I every couple of months I'll go and I'll dial if they've if the optic has sat on that gun for three months i'll go dial it in yeah um on paper so if you remember (laughs) sure because i'll be like ah yes hitting steel (laughs) but there's only a handful of guns that i actually carry consistently and that are my go-to and i know those are fine but yeah um and i know they're sighted and i make sure re recheck that every couple of months but um they have high-end stuff on them so so did you see that uh tommy built is releasing an actual MP7? I did. Um, I didn't see it in person. I saw the pictures. Um, I never made it by whatever booth that was at. It's 35. I think it was at the BNT booth, actually. Okay, I didn't make it, but I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> not sure if they had that out publicly on Yeah, display. I don't know. I just saw the pictures of it. Uh, that is supposed to come in at 35 or $3,600. That sounds about right. And you got to buy, I think, you still got to buy the stock SBR at go through. Yeah. You're looking a little under 4500 bucks probably all in yep i'm it's uh, man it's tempting but if the if that x57 comes in at a grand four six is that is the tommy going to be four six uh, see that other problem four six is finding the ammo it's not that hard to find it will be a lot hard to find when all those guns get released well that's true but i don't know if that's a gun i'd shoot that much so i just think it might be one that i I, I might want to go for it, man. I get it, but at the same time, if it was if it was like a actual HK, oh, then it would be like okay, I might not shoot that all the time. But a Tommy built, yeah, I'd have to shoot it a lot because you know it's got to be fun. And and I wonder too. I do wonder would the MP7 be as popular or or as in demand as it as it is if it was just available by HK. Like I, I almost wonder if it would not just be another gun at that point, or if it's because it's kind of grailish. Uh, it, the grail effect is definitely there, and I think the P, the what's going to make the PSA popular is price point. Yeah, combined with video game, I, and I've had two people in the last two days, one guy on the phone, another guy just texted me this morning on the way here, and he goes, "I'm getting that PSA for my wife's uh, nightstand gun," because think about it, throw a suppressor on it. His wife's recoil sensitive. She doesn't. I, I've always said the P90 would make a great home defense gun. Okay, so, so if, like, home defense, I understand, but like it's too big to be a carry gun. I said nightstand gun. Oh, nightstand. I'm sorry. Yeah, I uh, gotcha. My fault. <laughs> I was like, he's. I thought you said carry gun. I was like, that's a lot to carry. No, not nightstand well, what kind gun. Of bag does she have? <laughs> but yeah, there are women that could probably carry like oh, a Mark 18 for sure. So. <laughs> Put in a Louis Vuitton. It's like it's a suitcase, man. That's not a purse. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, okay, nightstand. Gotcha. I yeah, think it makes more sense. You know, is it ballistically effective? The most practical, whatever. No, but you have centerfire reliability. Yep. Put a suppressor on it. They're reasonably quiet. Yeah, yeah, five seven does suppress very well. Um, I I think it's a great choice for people that are. I've got a seventy two year old aunt. She lives by herself. You know, my uncle's deceased. She's got his old Smith and Wesson MP forty that my cousin like has loaded it and put in the safe, and that is not a good gun for her to grab. And no. she's 
like four foot eleven. She wears that five seven though is good length of pull. Mm-hmm. Recoil is not bad. Like yeah. the five seven. See what five seven brings to the table, and I know the whole grand thumb ballistics thing, but five seven's recoil is insanely soft. There's not a lot of muzzle flip, whereas nine millimeter there's there's a good bit of muzzle rise. Um, recoil is not super soft. I mean, it's manageable. I mean, like I'm not sitting here complaining about nine millimeter recoil. I'm comparing it to five seven. Yeah. And again, center fire reliability. It's a hot round. I mean, it's it's quick and it will defeat soft armor. Um. So if you look at five seven, I think you got to look at five seven the same way. I look at thirty two Smith and Wesson long or 22 Magnum out of a airweight revolver. It is not the best option. It is not, like, super ballistically effective, but it does meet the bare minimum. Yes. And a lot of times the trade-offs and shootability are going to be worth meeting that bare minimum. Right. So Lipsy's dropped their – did you see the uh, Lipsy's drop? Yeah, that was when you were like, you sent it to uh, me right away. <laughs> I was like, here we go. I was excited. I was texting my gun shop like, can you get me a hold of a couple of these? So they dropped the Smith & Wesson. It's a 432 and a 632. So the same as the 642, 440, or 642. 442, sorry, the numbers all I was going to say, this number, you're just throwing numbers out, and I was just but it, going over my head. It's a six-shot air weight in 32, uh, 32 H&R Magnum. So it'll fire 32 long, 32 short. I'd, the 32 longs out of it will probably have next zero recoil. The Is 30, the 32 H&R Magnum named after H&R? Okay. It is a – that round, it's a little bit – it's between 32 long – and 327 Magnum. I just a little said, is more it named towards. after H&R? Yeah. Harrington and Richardson. Yeah. Okay, let me, yeah. let me go ahead and spell it. Yeah, let me spell it out. Yeah. So. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but uh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, okay. That I was just trying to put two and two together, so it, it was actually created by Harrington and Richardson back yes. in the day. Okay. And, like, if you look at it from a self-defense perspective, I think, I hope somebody comes out with, like, a downloaded 32 H&R because the 32 Smith & Wesson Long is really on that fine line. As far as wad cutters, but the 32 H and R is just a little bit too hot to be shootable for everyone. Whereas if they had a downloaded 32 H and R, it's maybe 10 to 15 percent more power yeah. than the long, still be controllable enough that you get a little more penetration. But that gun right there, I'm kind of pissed off that I bought that 22 mag <laughs> because yeah. and it comes with the sights out of the box are incredible. It comes with a good set of grips, but you can switch those out easy. Yeah, but the sights out of the box. Excess sights, they're going to have a really good sight picture. Ah, man, I love what they've done with that revolver. Like, that's probably, you know me, revolver yeah, geek. Yeah, it's a revolver in you. That's, I might be more excited about that than the Hudson, honestly. Which is understandable. The yeah. Hudson's really cool, but it's it's a reboot of what's already been, but it is more reliable and it's better. And I will say one thing I was impressed with Daniel Defense is they were smart enough. The original Hudson had like an eighth of an inch difference between the bottom of the uh, dust cover or the rail and the trigger guard. So when you make a holster for that, it's effectively the same as a light-bearing holster. So it makes it much wider than a regular holster, less comfortable to carry in most cases. This gun, they put enough room between that trigger guard that you can get your spacers for adjustable retention or your eyelets to hold the holster together, and it's not going to add a lot of extra width. 
Yeah. So I thought they made some pretty good improvements to that gun. Yeah, the, I mean, the fact of it actually functioning, <laughs> being reliable and not dying on you, is a pretty good improvement by itself. But. Some of the original Hudson's ran great. Yeah, but, but it was and, – and the big thing was aftermarket support. Like, we might not feel that way if Glock went under. We might not feel Glocks are that reliable anymore because it's like, all right, what if nobody picks up – and in Hudson's case, they didn't. Nobody picks up part support. So this is something I'm going to say. If you're starting a new gun company – as much as I don't want to see just more people making Glock clones and AR clones or 1911s, look at the companies that are making innovation right now in our industry. It's PSA and Daniel Defense. Both of those started out making AR-15s, and they were able to build their company and get that established base. So now people do not have a concern that you're not going to be able to get parts for your rock, right? even though it's a completely proprietary gun. People have very low concerns you're going to be able to get parts for your Daniel Defense H9. Well, and two, established company. Like even people that have problems with their PSA stuff, PSA's customer support is highly touted. Yeah. Like I, I've seen very, very few people say they've had a negative customer support interaction with Palmetto State Armory. Even the people that are into the high tier stuff still say, well, worst case scenario, they have really good support. Yeah. It's kind of like they're like the the Amazon support of. It, PS, the point I'm making there, though, is these companies were able to start with a gun that people knew. If you know, if you buy an AR from some random man, you know you're going to be able to get parts from somewhere from else because they're compatible. Yeah. Whereas when you go out with something completely proprietary from the gate, if that company does not succeed, your company, your customers are not going to be getting support. Yeah, and that's in the back of everybody's mind. Yep. A lot of times, like you'll see people kind of complaining and on reddit online forums they love to go to shot um and they don't like the fact that it's industry only but nra show is a way better show for that or i haven't been personally but i've heard the great american outdoor show yeah but and and but to to counter those people i'd like to say that i get why you want to go i get that this is kind of like the super bowl of the firearms industry but like you what you don't understand is, is it's really not though. It's really more like the combine. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the draft. Yeah, um, because like a lot of times stuff's not like immediately available. But here's the thing: is this is where yeah, it is basically like the draft. Because if you think about it, this is where your gun company or your gun store is going to get the guns, these new guns to sell you. So this is where. The gun stores and the dealers can interact without the general public. And not that we don't love the general public. It's just like, hey, we've got to be able to go in here, learn the information to be able to sell these products to the general public because you can't go to Smith & Wesson and buy these guns. You can't yeah. go. Now, Palmetto State Armory, you can go straight to them and buy them. <laughs> but, like, you can't just well, – you can go to Daniel Defense and buy them. But – there's certain things with these big you go to companies. His website and check out the articles, and he'll get you directly to exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. But um, you know, you can't, generally speaking, just like you. Well, one, even if you, you're not going to get it shipped well, directly to you. It's got to go to the it, store. And most of these dealers are also not shipping directly or shipping directly from the manufacturer. Some manufacturers, a lot of it's done through distribution. Right. And there's also distributor shows that aren't as widely talked about in the industry, which PSA goes to those too, even. The distributor shows, and there's no point for a 
somebody who's not in the industry be going to these shows and shot show you have to have a very specific agenda and i will tell you this like i'm trying to go to these when i've been in the past i'm trying to make connections with marketing people to do some collaborations i've had better luck at nra show working on those or just running into people at random events like if you can find a firearm school that is attached to a company and you can maybe find out hey somebody from that company is going to be at that event that is a much better place to go and your chances are much higher than just walking into shot trying to make a random connection right and see that's that's where like this year i, I was packed full of meetings so like i yeah. only had certain blocks of time to even walk around and explore I didn't even walk. Like, I didn't go to the Glock booth. I walked through the FN booth, but didn't stop. Like the the big boy. Like I just there was so much. And granted, I was shot runs really Tuesday to Friday. Uh, Monday is like supplier showcase, and and they also have a industry shooting supplier range. Supplier showcase is usually very fruitful for both. Yeah, because I mean we're manufacturers, and there's a lot of manufacturers there, and I, that's where I go see my Cadora guys and um, all of our raw material. People. And there's a lot of people doing a certain niche manufacturing process that we might be able to work into our right. production. And uh, we do learn a lot. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there's there's different, you know, there's a lot of people there with different foams and different, you know, that kind of stuff. If you want to make a Glock clone or start manufacturing AR-15s, when I say manufacturing, I'm using that term basically assembling these items, you can walk in a supplier showcase and have three suppliers for every item you need. Yeah. It's crazy. Easily. Like, and so, and again, Brad's not here, but it was his first time. And when we, when we went to Supplier Showcase, I was like, I left. I was like, what'd you think? He was like, it's very eye-opening. Because, I mean, you can, that's where you go if you want to start an AR-15 assembly company. Yep. I'm not going to call you manufacturer because there's very few people actually forging and doing this. If you want to start an assembly company, that's where you go to get your parts. And you can get it done in two hours. Oh, yeah. You can have everything. Well, I will say, though, if you're ready to buy, you might sit down with more people in the middle and, you know, because they have breakout areas to where you can do deals. But you can get your contacts and you get everything right. follow up. Unless you're ready weeks. to go right then, yeah, you just get your contacts and you go back and yeah. then you put it together. Um, a lot of times with, like, us, we have to do, we have to do digital work digital cad stuff and so it's not gonna be ready to go right then yeah. but we need the contacts to get the email chain started just like we we kind of came up with the product while we were there um but part of it involved a, you were able a to material get a file yeah. quickly and yeah we were, we needed a, a material called curve and um but it has to be you know molded pressed so it was uh is it but it, it's good to make those connections and you have those direct connections and then you start the email chains and get it going and that's how you get your products made yeah but uh supplier showcase is great especially if you're trying to start a company and get something off the ground um that's where i initially uh started going to shot um i don't remember if they had it the first that's how year you talked me into going yeah actually. i think the first year i went was the first year they had it okay pretty sure on that yeah i don't dude yeah. that's so long ago i don't even remember um but it probably was um or it maybe maybe even been the second year because i I don't know if I could have talked you into it without some kind of experience. But either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, that's why we went. <laughs> but then, you know, uh, we had to, you know, you're not just going to go all the way to Vegas for one day. So, you know, we kind of plan out, try to market with other people. And, and, you know, I had tons of meetings set up. And so it was it was a wild event. It was very busy. It was very busy. But it, it was good. Um, got a lot done this year. But 
like I said, I, I think. But you got more done this year than you probably have in the last, let's just say, nine years. Yeah, probably combined. <laughs> I mean, it was just. And the difference was you had meetings set yeah. up. You had, you shot is not a place you go to make contacts. Shot is a place you go to submit contacts you already have. Yes. And that's, I, I talk with a lot of people and they're like, oh, I want to go to shot. I want to. If you do not know why you are going to shot, so I then you're just wandering around aimlessly, and that's that's just kind of not trying to be rude, but that's you just get in the way of people trying to get to where they got to get. So last year I was trying to get some support from Kimber to make the Kimber K6S holsters for the Icon 2.0. I went to Kimber's booth. They had like four people there. They were all there to sign dealers. They did not have a single marketing person, a single engineer. In their booth. And another booth is massive, like a yeah. 50 by 50 Huge booth. space. And they just had a couple of tables and four people there. They had no breakout rooms. They they are there for one purpose only. That's to sign dealers. Now you go to the NRAM show. We were able to talk to the product engineers, talk to marketing. They're, NRAM has, if you are trying to make marketing connections, NRAM is a better show to go to unless – you already have those connections and know they will be at shot. And so if, if you're not familiar with NRAM, it's the National Rifle Association annual meeting. They move it around this year. I think it's going to be in uh, Houston? Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, it's in Texas. And you'll be exhibiting there this year. Yep, yep. Pray for us. And then if you're going, come see us. Be nice, though, because we're probably going to be stressed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so because this is the big – I mean, we've done the little gun shows way, way, way back, and we've done Suppress Fest. And those are pretty cool laid back, but – um. Yeah, this is going to be more because we're shipping stuff there. Woo. All right, just like I said, yeah. pray for us. Um, but if you're not familiar, the National Rifle Association annual meeting is open to the general public. Um, it's I, The way I phrase it is it's the largest, probably one of the largest, you know, the uh, – the, what's the other one? Mer- great yeah, American Great American Horse and it, one say, of the Say what you will about the NRA. Uh, Wayne LaPierre is finally stepped down. We'll see. Ooh, yeah, we'll see if they fix anything internally. But um, they're still it's like getting, Congress. Yeah, so it's like not a lot uh, of hope. There's a little bit of hope, <laughs> not for Congress, but for the NRA. I got a little bit of hope because I really hope you know we get somebody in there who's not just worried about padding their pockets and is actually worried about and what their improving mission is, improving our rights, yeah. not creating false flags to correct and not raise money. Yeah, so not just constant. I mean, I know they have to raise money, but when you get it. St- Stop buying $600 suits. Anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, just, as somebody who owns some $600 suits, they are worth it if you wear suits every day. Yeah, but you didn't fleece people on the premise of improving the Second Amendment. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, uh, NRAM uh, is open to the public, and it's probably just one of the biggest gun shows on the planet. Like, you're, Kimber's not going to be at your Dixie Gun and Knife show here no. in Raleigh. Um, so, like... You know, all the big manufacturers are going to be at. And you NRAM. can see Jerry Mikulik. We rode the elevator down with Heron, Hannah and Jeff Barron. Oh well, yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah, I, cool. I got to see Coley on the war. You'll run it. Like I ran to Coley on the war on the street, and he actually, I was like, just hey man, love your stuff, and he actually like came up and shook my hand. Didn't expect that. Yeah. At all, like. In fact, the last NRAM, um, I stayed in the same hotel as the Daniel Defense guys. Yeah. Um, and actually got to know them and. Now you know. I, now I see him at shot and go up and say, you know, talk to Johnny, and he's he's one of their marketing guys. They're all cool cats. Um, in fact, one guy, I'm terrible with names. I got to get better. It's <laughs> walking around Venetian man, and uh, just got this thing of ice cream. Yeah, I was being a fatty, so I was like eating this ice cream, 
walking through the Venetian, and he turns, he's like, is it good? I'm like, yeah, you want some? I didn't recognize him, and he was like, hey, it's, you know, I don't remember his name, I'll butcher it if, if, even if I try. He was like, yeah, it's such and such from Daniel Defense. He was like, we were at NRAM yeah. together, and we played that, like, shuffleboard thing at the bar, and I was like, hey, I did remember. I was like, I recognize his face, and I was, like, sitting there trying to process it, and I'm like, I don't, I'm never going to figure this out. But anyway, because I was eating ice cream, he, he said something to me. So anyway. Um, so I will say this on connections. I think this is something very important. The first year I went to SHOT Show with you, we stayed at Planet Hollywood. Yes. Had to walk. Nothing back. wrong with Planet Hollywood. No, if you want to go to Vegas, go to Planet Hollywood, have Good fun, time. whatever. I killed it at the poker table. Last time I've actually sat down and played poker, hella nervous because I just don't like the, you know, they yelled at me one time because I violated some rules. I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I don't gamble really like that. But yeah, uh, but it was like beginner's luck, and I walked away. I, like I think I paid for the room sitting at that poker table. It was yeah, wild. Like I made like a thousand bucks. Again, beginner's luck won't do it again because <laughs> then I'll lose a thousand bucks. I just like walk out while you're on top. The that was a big mistake though. Like it was. We've stayed at the Venetian, not the poker table. Staying at Planet Hollywood. We've stayed at the Venetian, though, or the stay at the Venetian or the Palazzo if you're going to shot. Yes. Any trade show you go to, stay at the hotel that's hosting the event or the closest hotel. Yeah, at, at all possible because the amount of time you save walking back and forth. Um, and if you've got two hours between meetings or something, you can go up to your room and just take a 45-minute chill break. Yeah. because Better than sitting in a bar or a restaurant. It, it's harder to get off your feet than you think, and, like, my whole lower body was screaming both days because we literally stood from 8.30 that morning until 5 o'clock that evening. Brad sent me that screenshot with 24,000 steps or yeah, whatever. and that might even have been low. Yeah. I mean, that because I think one day he forgot his watch, and was, I guess his phone was tracking. I, I'm very active. I walk a lot. I'm always running around multiple places. I walk 12,000 feet in an average day, and I guarantee you that's a lot more than the average. Yeah person so 24 is insane yeah it was crazy um so yeah I, lower body hurt um my feet hurt i mean I, I wore decent shoes for walking like i didn't wear dress shoes or anything absolutely crazy but there's just not a lot of places to sit and rest but like you said you can go up there and you can crash for a little bit um and even if you are even if you do find a place to sit down there's tons of people around you, you can't just yeah Chill out like the so, iron room. One thing I did this year was I, I created kind of like on our site, we have a, a best products of, you know, SHOT Show 2024, um, just to kind of take our pictures and highlight the kind of stuff we thought was cool. Um, and I still have to go back and add a few more things because it's not done. So I'm constantly upgrading it, updating it through today. Um, and so it, that being in that room allowed me not to have to, like there's a media room. Like, there's, on, like, a third floor, they have a media place. But being able to go to the room where there's not a lot of people around and you can just kind of, you know, knock out what you need to knock out was is so much better yeah. um, than, than any other particular option. Right. So It really is. And you're more likely to meet people if you are in yes. the building. Uh, I went and met with a manufacturer last year. I didn't have a business card. I was able to come up and follow up with them five minutes later with a business card because I was – more like 15. But. I was going to say, yeah, it was probably a little longer. Because I was <laughs> able to rush up yeah. to my room, get the business cards, and get back down. And when they know, they took me much more seriously just knowing I was staying at the Venetian because they – Yeah. And, and these guys are getting hit up all day long yeah. for stuff. And the Venetian is 
This is obviously more expensive because of that convenience factor. Also, the vision is very nice. Um, it's it one of the nicest to eat. Like our Uber driver on the way in was like, "Oh man, you're staying in the Venetian." He, I mean, this is a Vegas, yeah. Vegas native. He's like, "Oh, the Venetian, you picked a nice hotel." I'm like, "Well, it's attached to the convention center, so it's like it's a natural, you know." If the hotel is crap, but it's connected to the show floor, that's probably where I'm staying. Yeah. Like, I am staying wherever is closest to the show. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're going to spend all that money to get out there anyway, spend a little bit of extra, get your time back, and allow yourself to spend more time on the floor. Um, That way you can maximize your connections and meeting with people. And, and I'm not going to go too much into detail on this, but when you flew out there, you flew first class. And I'm... There's some cases where I'll fly first class for business stuff because, like, I had to go out to Thunder Ranch and I had a very tight schedule on that, and it was much easier flying first class when you're flying all the way across the country. Well, multiple flights. I will say, slightly claustrophobic, and that's more I about am, that than anything. Than you, so. so it was it was more or less like, hey, you know, I just want to, you know, have the space, and then too, you you have priority boarding and exit, and again, that's more about maximizing the time that I have out there because I flew in Monday and supplier showcase started that morning. So I got there while supplier showcase was starting, but I had enough time to get there, get to the hotel, get in our room, drop our stuff off and then get to supplier showcase and still get everything I needed to get done that day. See, I'm not as bad with that though on the way out there as I am on the way back. That's where I find that flying first class generally saves me a day of recovery coming back but either way you had a great conversation with an individual that probably you got way more than value yeah than what your ticket cost due to that there was experience. a there was another industry person that we'll, yeah we'll leave nameless there's no they're not name dropping or yeah. whatever but they um there's another industry person that we had good conversation it was very very fruitful learned a lot um and that's kind of you know that's Probably, like you said, it's worth the value in the ticket. Now, it's not guaranteed every time. It's, you know, it's probably one out of five times. It, but if I you're have, lucky. I have noticed when I've flown first class, I do generally have conversations. And it may not be industry specific, but if you are going to SHOT Show, you know, hey, there's a decent amount of people are going to be flying out of this airport. It's going to put you involved with the players. And don't expect to be like, hey, I'm going to do a business deal with this guy. No. Just expect to learn not – you get way more from the knowledge. Yeah, I, I honestly, you know, and, it was just cool to ask somebody in that in his position questions yeah. and and try to learn without being aggravating. I didn't want to bother him the whole flight or anything, but it, you know, I'm always trying to learn and and glean anything I can from people that are very successful. So. And a lot of times, those people are more than willing to share that. But if you try to sell them on something or yeah, whatever, they the completely like, shut down. He, he, of course, they asked what what we did yeah. and you know i told them and you know we're from the same state same area we're probably 30 minutes you know separating us so um and you know it was just very, very it was really cool um really enjoyed the experience very very nice guy um because he could have just like put his headphones in and not said anything to me yeah. after he realized like oh this you know but it wasn't like that at all he's very very good dude so that's awesome man yeah, that honestly, that I, the, it makes me want to fly first class everywhere I go, but it's not practical. Like, is it, yeah. I, like I said, I do it on the long hauls because that was a direct flight, nonstop. It was you know three and a half, maybe almost four hours, something like that to it's Vegas. Like four and a half, yeah, yeah, something, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but it's a long time to be 
like this. <laughs> so I just, you know, it's, yeah, it was expensive, but it's kind of one of those things that I don't travel a whole lot. I, and so honestly, it was if you worth it could have that. told me that I could have had the conversation you had, like the amount of money I'd pay for that to be in that. You, you can't pay for that because I guarantee if yeah. this individual, if you'd have called him up and said, hey, I'm going to, will you no, spend he, this amount of time with me for 5000 bucks? Yeah. You'd go, no. Yeah. He like, probably didn't have time for that. Yeah. But, and understandably so. But yeah. It, again, was very, very nice guy. And he, you know, anything I did ask, he, he was more than happy to answer. But I mean, like, I wasn't prying or anything, but I was just honestly trying to glean some business knowledge. And it wasn't even industry related. It was just yeah. business as a whole. Like, hey, you know, this dude's obviously doing a great job and just cool to learn. That is so. worth spending a little bit extra money, though, on those sort of things. Again, if you can afford it, like if you're having to put right. this on a credit right. card. And, yeah, no, don't do that. Yeah, but if you can pay cash for it. Yeah. And if, like, I uh, know. Like, I know when shot, I know shots come in every year. Yeah. So, of course, I, I put it aside and then, you know, so you the, can plan uh, for it. Was it like the best Western, believe it or not, at in Vegas is really close to Venetian? So if you're trying to save more money on a hotel, I'd stay at the Best Western. Get as close as you can. Yes. You know, uh, if you can't do the Venetian and get it, it's it's silly expensive. But, like, I know get, the past SIG reps stay at, like, yeah. the Mirage. Uh, get as close as you yeah. can so you don't spend all your time. Like, I stayed at, and if you're not familiar with, with the Vegas Strip, look up the Venetian and look up where New York, New York is. That's where I stayed the first two or three years. You can, they have shuttles, but, again, time like your the amount of time it takes to wait on the shuttle it shuttles you there you got all this other stuff to do like i would walk every day because it was 30 minutes it took well from new york new york it might have been 40 minutes so the time you get for a shuttle wait you might as well just walk yeah so it's, yeah but granted you're now you're already 30 minutes of straight walking in and you're already tired but anyway you're gonna walk it's vegas yeah so it's it's a 30 minute walk so you know it's just it and you know it's vegas so it's like that's a long walk and you know, it's not like you can just walk straight up Las Vegas Boulevard. Like, you have to cross over, up and down. Yeah, I, I, I have made – we walked to the Daniel Defense Party, and it was it was at uh, the Hard Rock Cafe. And that's literally that's a like – walk. That's, that's across from New York, New York. Yeah. Um, it's like right before you get to MGM. And that's – so Brad said you walked the entire strip. That's only half the strip. It's pretty close. I mean – I think the strip technically like ends at Mandalay Bay. Yeah, which is a pretty good way. Yeah, but like the, I was like the airport's across the street from Mandalay, so it's like, I don't know. It was, I made him walk most of the strip, so he got the experience of the strip at night. Yeah, and uh, it was, I think, I think that uh, really opened his eyes to Las Vegas. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, um, it was good. But like I said, proximity saves you a lot of time. And again, just kind of weigh the time versus money value. Um, that's a lot of people don't do that. And I think it kind of shoots them in the foot, especially if you're using shot as a business. If you're going, if you somehow score tickets and it's just for fun and you're just yeah. perusing, stay as cheaply as you can. If you are there for business as shot is intended for, you want to be you, on your A game you, when you're going you, to yes. meet people. You do not want to be looking like a zombie. You, and it's Vegas, so it's easy to uh, it's it's easy to get it's easy carried to away. Go hit up the bar and spend six hundred bucks by you four o'clock. You in don't the have afternoon. to find a bar; they sell alcohol at every like yeah that you can buy it anywhere. Take, Granted, half the booths this year had beer taps at one time or another. I will say we went by uh, U.S. Optics and Zero Delta at uh, one. They had beer there one day, so that was cool. Um, 
Oh, one interjection back to new products. Zero Delta or US Optics now is getting ready to drop or has already dropped a uh, domestic line of, of scopes. So they used to have one, and yeah. then they went most. I think they still have domestic they, scopes. I thought right, like their high high end. Yeah, ones, so like yeah, all their high end stuff is is made in here in North Carolina. Um, That'd be cool to get in, to see in that Connell, actually. Connolly Springs. Yeah. So, yeah. So those those would be cool. We're gonna we're gonna be getting some of the. We'll, we'll get both the domestic and the the other. The others are more like value value based, and I'm sure they're good. But I, you know me, I'm a sucker for you for domestic yeah. manufacturing. So. Um, I'm excited to get those in hand and, and see how those perform. But anyway, back to the business side of it. I just forgot about that for a second. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for SHOT Show is have a plan. Don't overdrink and overeat when you're there. Uh, and stay as close to the event as you can, and that goes for any industry event. Another factor is if you do stay in the Venetian, just know that the, the food there is – everything in Vegas is slightly – especially right on the Strip. Um, if you're willing to get off the strip, you can save a lot of money. But again, getting off the strip costs. You money. might end up taking an Uber, yeah. Yeah. So. so if you if you have to ride out of the strip, it's or I mean, if you can walk off, I recommend that in Vegas. But you know, if, if you you know you want to ride away and try to save money, you can. But at the end of the day, again, it, it might be got to weigh the value there. And you can do stuff somewhat affordably. But I'd plan a if you're going budget budget, you're probably looking at fifty dollars a day per person for food, and that's if you're. Yeah, I mean, like the Venetian has a subway in it. It has Chipotle. Um, of course, they're going to have Chipotle's a, probably thirty five dollars though for. Well, sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything's going to have slightly inflated prices, but um, they got like a Panda Express. Like they have like a little like food court, and, I and then you, of course they have the nice restaurants. I too, bet like you if you go to Panda Express here in Cary, North Carolina, it would have been twelve fifty, and you said it was like twenty five bucks. Yeah, probably a two X premium. Yeah, it's probably a two X premium if you're in the Venetian. Yeah, um, but again, those first, first of all, don't go at noon. The other thing that was cool. We all right, so we did do that one time. We got we got Panda Express for lunch one day because it was quick, easy, and um, we started to get it at noon. Realized what time it was. It was like let's just go back to the shop floor real quick and just handle a few things and then come back at one. That's what we did. We we came back. We got the food, and we went up to the room because, I mean, the little food court area is, like, not big enough to handle convention-level traffic. So we just took it up to the room, and it was like, that was the ticket. Like, you could take that up there and eat, and then you just go right back down. And, yeah. Um, the the way the elevators were situated, the elevators are right around the corner from the food court, so you just – it was quick. And then it was awesome. I mean, it, it was – this was by far the best shot uh, I've – experienced um but so. you had your meetings planned out in advance i did I, you allowed you said like an hour your meetings end up being what five to 30 minutes depending on yeah the of course i had i only had one that went like the full hour basically but yeah. we kind of we segued yeah <laughs> so we uh this was psa and we went over to the aac booth because you know they or the, the ad- advanced yeah. armament company booth and uh, of course they because they own advanced armament as well so we went and talked to them as well and and met everybody at advanced armament so that was good um but all the other ones were five to thirty minutes and when you do that you allow an hour though to make your way between right get a good when you go there study the floor plan because you can cover all of shot in a half day 
if you're only spot hitting certain booths. Yeah. If you got to hit 10 booths, you can do it in a day. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, the floor plan is good, but if you don't already know the Venetian and how it's laid out, it's tough. Because I did have to uh, – I was trying to school Brad so, like, next year we can move a little bit quicker, too. But, you know, they have the SHOT Show app, which is very helpful. But I you still have to, don't understand how to get over to Caesars Forum completely. I got it now. Okay. But, Garen, it, yeah. this is the second, you know, <laughs> second or third year of Caesars Forum. I think the first year is the first year after COVID didn't go, didn't go that year. So this is my second year with Caesars Forum. I got it now, but they also have these convenient little people standing there saying, like, SHOT Show Bridge. The bridge takes you to Caesars Forum. Yeah. So, um. I got that. I thought Caesar's now. form was actually in Caesar's. Oh no, <laughs> dude! It was it was embarrassing. Yeah, I was walking, a, and when you follow all the guys that look like Chris Costa, follow all the Chris Costa wannabe lookalikes. You're gonna be following a lot. Of <laughs> that it is funny to me that Chris Costa, great you know great character, he hasn't really been like super relevant in the industry for what ten years now. I think his his aesthetic, his look has just trans. It's just stuck in the industry. It's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like tactical pants. Just <laughs> no, Chris Costa's look is way more popular than even tactical pants at shot. At shot, yeah. Mm. They're, a, they're I tit sw- for tat. I bet there are guys that I think are going there. They're getting their beard dyed. They're having their hair done at like a salon or something. Right before shot show, and you are offending a lot of people <laughs> right now. <laughs> Glad our viewership's not real high. Oh, you are upsetting a lot of folks. <laughs> oh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, shot's good. Um, again, I do think it should be relatively reserved for for industry. Um, not to shun anybody, it's just like that is where business is taking place. Yes, it's to Google new stuff, but it's the business of the new stuff. So, like, if you want to get it, actually get it in your hands, go let the business people acquire it so they can get it to you. And i got to be honest, like, I didn't have a interest in going this year because every time you go to check out the new stuff, that is not why I'd go to shot at this right. point because you're going to sit there, you're going to have 20 people in line, and you're looking at the new Hudson H9. You're not really going to get – I've got one. I know. Well, I know I can. I'm using that as an example, <laughs> but whatever it is, you're not really going to be able to check it out in depth because, at least if you're polite, you're going to feel like, okay, I'm going to let the people behind me. Well, and two, like if you want to actually like really go into, like, you got to go yeah. shoot it, and that's Monday, and that's pretty much media only. You shoot five rounds. Yeah, I mean, I could get into the media event. I, like, yeah, yeah, the barrier to entry to getting this stuff is not that not, high. Not, it's not. You say that, but like. It is if you're an average person. If you're in the industry, which we are, yeah, it's not that high. Like you, you get in because we we own companies in the industry. Yeah, and so media and if you're Joe Blow, that's just you know, I like guns and watch a lot of YouTube. You're not you're not getting in. I do, I will say this though, going through and shooting five rounds through a pistol, like you watch most of the videos that have five rounds loaded in the mag, that just isn't appealing to me at this point. Yeah, like. Which I mean, again, the Hudson, I put a thousand rounds through it. So like, I if I went to the media or yeah. like next year, I plan to go to the the uh, actual range day because it's I've been all these years and I've never been to that. But with your business and how you you have a whole different side of your business than what I have to mine, right. so it makes more sense. Right, and 
into like I would have ne- I would have not touched the H9. I'd yeah. be like, y'all are good. I've in the last day and a half I've shot in a thousand rounds through the Hudson H9. I yeah. don't need to shoot five more rounds through it. Um, so I, I mean, I would have liked to shot the the PCC if they had yeah. one. Um, but again, I would have been focused on on all the other stuff that was there. Um, because you know I've already it, run that one down. And but. so, like straight up, you know, you guys are familiar with my company. I probably will not be going back to shot unless there's some meetings that I cannot handle on the phone or it's somebody that I've got a couple meetings where it's not worth, if I have to meet them in person, not worth me flying directly to them or them flying to me. I will not be going to shot until we start doing dealer sales. Because as a, you have more of the marketing side with your blog, Mm -hmm. whereas me, it's more of a product side. It doesn't make sense unless I'm doing dealer sales. Yeah. And and to... I, I do I have found a lot of value and and again I have a different side of the business um but I've found a lot of value in meeting people face to face just putting face to names and some of the people that we that we do marketing with with our with the bags and with everything else we um it I've never met them in person yeah. I've only talked to them on the phone or, or messaged them or emailed them it's always good to meet those people face to face and you know thank them for for helping promote links defense and and using our stuff and giving us feedback and, and if things like more that. more of my media guys start going to shot, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'll yeah. use, but Same. it's understand there's not enough of them at this point. You know, that's when I'll take them all to dinner or whatever, try yeah. to do a couple dinners with them. But even then, man, like my ideal shot show would be just have a room with a Venetian, not have to go with the sh- on the actual floor for more than a half day. That's yeah. Like it, it's very chaotic. Um, of course, you know the going joke of shot show has always been the people with the with the crates that they tow Ron, behind them. Yeah, the, last year. Yeah, so they can throw all their patches and everything in, and it's like, and that's what I told Brad. I was like, if you if you if you want all the swag that you can possibly handle, bring your backpack. I was like, where are your backpack? He never. I don't think he ever did, but we ended up getting like what our pockets would hold. But it was that's why it, you're probably taking them back next year because you did. <laughs> but I mean, like we we got everything our pockets could hold, but it was mostly like the companies I'm working with. Like I got all of Palmetto's stuff. I got some rugged stuff, and you know, pretty much all the companies I met with, if they had you know little swags. I grab it, I'll throw it on my patch wall. You see me when I go to these events. I purposely do not carry a backpack. Yeah, for that reason, and, and and two, I think it helps to people don't try to hand you their printed stuff because they're like, oh, you don't have any way to carry it. I'm like, nope, sorry. <laughs> and like, what I found is all that printed stuff is you'll bring it back. And and again, I'm not a I'm not a fine for a retail store. Yeah, so it doesn't do me as much good. Those guys can take them and put them on their counters and for people to look at, or, or take them back for when they do buying, they can flip through. But like me, it's just like okay, I, all of this is on your website. I can, you know, I can get yeah. what I need to from there. So. Please don't give me any of that. And so, um, kind of, you know, I had a couple people hand it to me. I was like, oh, I don't want to carry this big thing. And most of them it, pretty understand. They're like, you don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. No, you don't want to carry that thing around. But um, I do think some of them though, are like paid by how many they give out. <laughs> the the, the salespeople? Yeah, yeah maybe. Pretty pushy. Maybe. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, another, I keep thinking about guns and which Chris, uh, Chris actually is releasing a V3 vector. What are the changes on that? Um, they're actually pretty substantial. So you know how they used to have on the back 
their stock system was the AR buffer yeah. tube system. So now they've actually done it to where it can be a pick rail. So you can take it, you can take it and put a pick rail on it. And I think they're probably they have a so you a, can run the Sig, the J Max, you can the yeah, Tactical. anything like that. Um, and they they made their own folding stock with a pick rail. Um, so that was that was like that's I actually game changer. I have that on my uh, that's what's on my CMMG Descent now that it's SBR'd. What's that? The uh, Chris. Oh factor. really? Yeah. Oh nice. So and they also um, they made it a little bit thinner. So they kind of cut in anywhere that they could cut out some some bulk Material. and some weight. They did, um, and they did a few other things. Oh, uh, they you can change out the pistol grip now. It's AR grip interchangeable, but you know how the the vector on the bottom connects to the bottom yeah. of the grip. That that'll come off, and of course it's not going to be there if you put another AR grip on it. But now you can kind of control the you know the angle of your grip, so you can you That's change cool. your ergonomics yeah. on the vector. Um, they did a couple other things, and I'll, you know, I'm getting ready to do, to do a review of the uh, the Gen Two vector that I have. But um, and I'll I'll touch on the that's another one of those where they're expecting Q2. I think um, I think everybody was saying Q2 for actual releases, but um, but yeah, so th- that was cool to see because like I walked by the Chris booth probably three times before I finally stopped in and talked to him and. Um, because I was like, man, I just bought a V2, and they probably didn't change that much. And then I looked at it, and I'm like, dang, they did change a good bit. But it's, I think they're all yeah, positive for, improvements. For the reason you bought the gun, though, I think the V2 almost makes more Correct. sense. Correct, and I would, n- I would never get rid of the V2 just to, when I SBR'd it. And two, <laughs> I, I don't I, – I could get – like, I would buy a V3 to have a V3, but, like, I wouldn't get rid of the V2 because it's iconic to me. Like, it's, yeah. I got it because it's like, oh, man, it's a video game movie gun. You know, that's – it's more of that than it is, oh, this is, you know, a gun that I want to use day in and day out. So one thing I will say I've noticed with Shot, it seems like every year has been the year of the suppressor to a certain, like not saying that was the main theme this year, but steady improvements yeah, so in that space. I think, man, Huxworks is, I feel like right now, the can company to beat. Yeah. Um well, they're charging like an insane amount of money. I I bought one; it's still in jail. I didn't do it through you, so I haven't been able to shoot it. Well, and all everything I've seen that can it might give up a little bit in decibel rating. I'm not 100 percent sure. I haven't really dug into it like that. But the fact that you don't get gas back, and if you've shot suppressed and you've really gotten down on it, even if you don't get down on it, and you get five in a relatively short span, you're getting gassed out. So if you're shooting a supersonic round, like a 5.56, mm-hmm. I would rather have less gas blowback and have it be a little bit louder. Absolutely. Versus, because you're wearing Ear Pro anyway. You're wearing, you, yeah, I don't know anybody shooting supersonic 5.56 without Ear Pro. That's just, I mean, it's, you're insane, but. It's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. Don't, don't, if, don't ruin your. If, if you're shooting one coyote cool or something. Yeah. If you're hunting, okay. That's perfectly understandable because you want to be able to listen to your surroundings. Yeah. But, yeah, if you're out there shooting on the range, put some hammer protection. That will be, be silly. But for so for like a 300 blackout, I've on the descent, or I have uh, the SIG flow through can. Not sure that was the best choice for that gun. It's a 300 blackout, even with yeah. subsonic or supersonic. Probably would rather have a non flow through. But the zero gas blowback in my yeah. face. The the, the flow through cans I think are are what's going to be the, the future for now. 
Um, I think that's going to be the thing. It's going to be the thing to beat. And I really, I, I really like to see some more innovation in the can space. But they, are, I mean, three D printing is, I feel like probably the future of cans. I, it's already here. It's been here a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like it's just going forward. It's what's the standard for cans. I'm excited to keep see things go lighter and more niche because you know for a six millimeter arc i want a light can that's going to bring sound down a little bit but it's not going to add a ton of weight to the gun doesn't have to be incredibly quiet just needs to tone things down a bit whereas you know you really got to figure out there's not one can to beat them all no and the more Mm -hmm. cans i get the more i realize there's no such thing as can standardization it's what you want to do yeah dictates and and like there's so many good companies out there i mean like there, there's so many good cans that it's hard like because we you know of course we do can roundups if you will like what's yeah. the best can well what do you want to do you know um it's really kind of that's what it boils down to what do you what do you want to do with it and if you're going to shoot a pistol suppressed you want to like you want a relatively like can because well, the microtech because it's quiet. Yeah, well, as well, yeah, get the, out. the the microtech is wildly quiet. It's crazy, um, but like the it's crazy expensive too. Yeah, but the crazy thing about the, well, not when you compare it to the Hux works. Their nine millimeter cans, I think, are well under a thousand. Uh, I don't even know. They're like eight hundred ish. I don't know. I don't, don't yeah. ask me because I hadn't. Uh, two, I look at two different prices. There's MSRP, and, and then of course dealer. I have dealer. So I, yeah. I probably could tell you dealer price before I could tell you what MSRP on most stuff is. Um, because that's what I look at most of the time. When I log into the sites to, to purchase guns, it's dealer price. some of these companies have really good dealer margins. And some of them don't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, cans is a whole nother animal. Like, we could we could do a whole nother podcast on just suppressors. Probably should at some point. Yeah, we probably <laughs> will. Um, but I would like to probably – we would have to figure out what exactly we're going to talk about because we yeah. could go down so many rabbit holes there. Um. And, of course, I have cans from the entire industry spectrum. Like, Huxworks probably only float major. the only thing you don't have. Yeah, float is the only thing and I don't have can. right now. And a shotgun can. But we'll probably fix both of those here in the very near future. The shotgun cans seem to be something that's... Uh, yeah. JK Armament and I think Silencer Co. Silencer Co. is the OG. Yeah, uh, they have Huxworks the, announced their... I think, yeah. But it's only compatible right now with the Genesis Arms Breacher yeah. model. I'm excited about the Huxworks can because I just want to see where that. Yeah. Man, home defense. Imagine a Genesis Arms gun. You've got with their 15 round drum, 15 rounds of 12 gauge with like low re- You won't have any drywall shot. left, but the intruder will be dead. Yeah. You do. You, <laughs> and if you can get it suppressed, maybe get something that's right on the edge, it might be reasonably quiet. Yeah. I mean, for a shotgun. Yeah. I I haven't uh, the only shotgun can I've shot is the JK Armament I shot at Express Fest, and it was it was cool. As far as shooting animals with calibers, like buckshot has always been the best one hit right down yeah effect for me. As far as deer, coyotes, yeah, anything I can get close enough to. So for home defense, I do not want to be messing around if somebody's dumb enough to come in my house and wants to do harm to me. Yeah, that's yeah. But, yeah, so we'll definitely do one just totally on cans at some point because um, we can go down a massive rabbit hole. 
um, it is it is a huge rabbit hole. But it's a good one. I mean, it's you know you know me. I'm like if I'm if I'm gonna shoot a gun, it's I'm gonna try to suppress it. Did you guys check out the mod light booth? No, we never made it to the mod light booth. Um, they released a couple. They released a micro pistol light. Yeah, I did see the. I, I saw. I've seen all the photos, but like, there's not enough time. It, and you know, next year, you know, I've, I've extended the stay out, coming in early, leaving later, which sucks. But it's like, man, I could have used another day to get more done. Is Brad gonna go that whole time? Yeah, as far as I know. If, I hope. He, if he's smart, he'll come in a day later and leave a day early. No, he would leave a day early before he left a day later because he wants to go to the range day. But so. Yeah, if he's smart, he'll – because – Yeah, I, but I, I think understand. next year I think next year we're going to try to do more, like, video content, try to show more. Like, this year we were going to try, but with all the meetings we had set up and everything, it was just, like, I trying had, to get the video on top of it. It was like, no, let's not do that this you, year. Let's you almost, prepare. You almost need to send him with uh, somebody to film him, bring – two people with you and then you do yeah. your stuff and then come in and help them when you've got spare time yeah we'll figure that out but yeah Whew. it's gonna be an interesting one for sure next year um we'll see we'll see how that goes because it's gonna be it's gonna be a big one i think i don't know like this was probably i will say shot show 2024 was the I'm trying to think back because it's been a long time. Probably the most products announced and, and released and most exciting shot show that there's been in years. Yeah. Um, since even before COVID. So um, there were years where, like like you said, they take a rail and they just remill it and Cerakote it with a new color and call it innovation. And this year you've seen actual companies come out with actually new products that go outside of their existing lines. Yeah. And I think that's... That's what SHOT Show is really about. Like, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, you're not Apple. We can't expect you to every year have the latest and greatest iPhone or the latest and greatest gun. But granted, Apple even just kind of like upgrades a couple things or picks one thing to focus on and then upgrades that in the phone. So it's like the phone hasn't changed looks in years. But, um, you know, we can't expect these gun companies to R&D – test and released a whole new product in 11 months that's what you got because january you're coming off to that shot show you can't count the month of january yeah and then then you gotta also put it in production on top of all of your other stuff if any company's doing it's psa yeah but even psa is is making so much and doing so much they can't let all their other product lines drop well look at what psa is doing though they're kind of doing you know we talked about the mexican restaurant theory where you go into a Mexican restaurant, you have tortillas, you have chicken, steak, shrimp, salsa, rice, and beans. And cheese. Mus- uh, cheese, cheese and onions and peppers. Cilantro. And cilantro. But anyway, and they turn point, all those things the, the point into is, is, a menu with 100. <laughs> with 100 and that's yeah. what PSA is doing with their gun line. Though. The dagger, they make slight changes to yeah. make this 5.7 PD. You, you got 20 ingredients, and you can make 100 different things. Yes. So... Um, yeah, the, I mean, PSA is doing a bang-up job. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of companies doing bang-up jobs, making new stuff. Didn't and, mean and to turn this into the PSA podcast. Yeah, it's, but. it's not the PSA podcast, but, you know, it's you know they they just came out swinging this year, and nobody, I don't think anybody expected the volume of stuff that they were just going to put out there. Granted, all of it's concept, and none of it's 
I wouldn't say none, but most 99% of it's not coming to market. Well, I think the Bruins, what they're doing, like most of it's either based off the Jackal. and They've got us talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I am not a budget. No. But they're making guns that I would, again, not being willing to spend, you know, to build a AKS-esque, whatever that Jackal is. I'm probably going to buy one of those. Yeah. It's going to come in, I would guess, between 800 and $1,200. Yeah, depending on, like, if you get it with the J-Max stuff or yeah. if you just get it with the wood or, or you know, whatever. Whatever yeah. they do. I can justify buying that at that price point as a fun toy. Yeah. A lot of people can. Whereas uh, they, they're – I'm really impressed with what they're doing. Yeah. It, it, you have to look at what they're doing, and they're not – and that's what a lot of people don't – They don't take themselves too seriously. No. Uh, man, if you actually go and talk to the people at the booth, they're genuinely, like, just like us. Like, they're, they're good people. Yeah. And they just – we hung out with him. I got to talk with the yeah. guy that runs the H&R side mm-hmm. for a while. I got to talk to Josiah, uh, one of the guys who was originally on the ground floor, Jamin's brother. Yep. Uh, all, man, all those guys are just really good people. And that's the thing. Like, you you got a good group of people doing the right thing and have the best interest of the industry at heart. And not just the industry, but the actual people in this country. And there's no elitism. No. And then there's just a really realistic, and they're they're like they're killing it, like they're a huge company. Yeah, and there's just man, Jamin's out there walking around shop floor with the X five seven, showing it to people. Probably just walking up to random people, yeah, right? Just yeah. anybody, and he wouldn't let you hold it too long because he wanted to show it to the next person, <laughs> which I get. But um, so it's super. I mean, just like everybody from top to bottom in that company is good. And and just to dispel one thing about PSA, and then we'll wrap this up, but. Everybody's like, oh, they're owned by a investment group. Just so you understand, JJE Capital owns Palmetto State Armory and all the subsidies underneath it. It stands for Jamin. It's some, the, it's some, the three yeah. owners of the business's initials have a holding company that owns all the others. Their fundamental mission has not changed. The yeah. original owners have not changed. So to say that it's owned by some investment company is just kind of silly, and you just don't understand what It'd you're talking about. It'd be like me, you, and Brad, or me, you, and Workman sort of thing, calling it, you know, HM or yeah. BHM or whatever. And then just yeah. putting all of our companies underneath it. Yeah. Like, that's – it's it's silly to, to not know what you're talking about and then to go out here and just spill this nonsense. Um, but it is understandable because there are a lot of companies that are owned by There these. are a lot of companies. Like Vista Outdoors and, and like – the Remington, the Remington's been bought and sold so many times. It did end up in a in a, but that's why it failed, yeah. because it ended up in number crunchers' hands, and they just tried to they didn't they understand, understand the, the industry. Culture. Yeah, they don't understand the culture. They didn't understand the industry, and so that's why it failed, and that's why they got sold out. Um, that's why they. And I've gone, you know, we've talked to multiple people at multiple companies, larger companies, smaller companies. You can tell whether or not these people are legit. Whether somebody who got the job because of their qualifications from another industry or somebody has a legit interest in the product. Yeah. And PSA is a company when you go to, they're not geeks. They don't know every spec on whatever their product. No, but they genuinely like what they're doing. Yes. And they believe in what they're doing, which is yes. spreading freedom. And, you know, I've talked to quite a few. I know, you know, the couple of the media guys over there, even a couple of people that do like sales and stuff. And, you know, I try to talk to them. I, you know, I'm terrible with names, and but I remember faces really well. Um, but, you know, thankfully they're all wearing badges, so I'm like, hey. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I go talk to them, and, um, like, <laughs> the one guy, he was like, if you don't go on the site and vote for the X57, 
punch you in the face. <laughs> like, don't worry, I've already voted for it, man. <laughs> so they're just down to earth. I mean, people yeah. are cool guys. So uh, and and honestly, you know, even like DD and all these other companies, they have a lot of down to earth cool people too. And you know, they have a everybody has a different corporate culture. And so, you know, they have to somewhat abide by that. You know, they don't they have jobs that they have to keep, obviously. So, like, they can only do and say so much. So, you know, sometimes it's not. PSA seems to give you guys a lot of leeway on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're all pretty down to earth. But um, but that's to say a lot of other companies are, too. Like, you know, I know one, of the, one or two of the guys that work at Rugged Suppressors, and they're they're super cool dudes, just like everybody else. And, um, man, I'm just everybody, – everybody's kind of – is it's the industry – I you have to realize the smaller companies, though, that I'm generally more impressed with on. Yeah, because, I mean, like, the some people get a little big for their britches, especially if they start moving volume, um, and they think they're better than other people, whereas I feel like there's a lot of these companies that are that are doing cool. really well. Yeah, doing really well, but, like, they don't think they're above anybody. And yeah. that's that's that takes a lot, I think, um, because when, you, when you're, like, up here and, like, these guys are down here, you're just kind of like, hey, but, you know. It's better not to be that way. Well, and a lot of times because these guys down here can come up here. You know what I'm saying? So it's you, you can't treat people. A lot of times the guys that act like that, you go through and look at the ATF numbers. Yeah, they're not moving the volume you think they were. Right, but you know they yeah. put on a front, and it, it's better to just be who you are. I've always found that you know knowing where you're at and not necessarily acting accordingly, but like, hey, I know I'm a little fish in a big pond. But I like this pond. It's it's a homey pond, you know? Like so it's just kind of mingle and be cordial with everybody and I mean everybody's generally pretty nice in this industry. Yeah. There's only I've only had like one or two bad interactions where I'm just like, Man, bump those guys. <laughs> like, why are they being like that? Like I, I mean but I'm not gonna name any names. But they were a shot. And I was just like, unless they change their marketing team, I don't wanna talk to them. They were not cool. <laughs> it's like they're just not cool people. And I mean, like, this is we're down to earth. This is how we talk to everybody pretty much. So Yeah. But um, yeah, I just just bad one bad interaction to well mess you up. I'm glad it was a good year. I'm looking forward to see how the rest of twenty twenty four yeah plays out. The big thing will be is how many of these companies like I think I think Smith I think theirs is ready to roll. I think Henry's is, is rolling, and I think uh, Marlin has gotten some of theirs out of the dealers. Um, Marlin is just going to be a slow trickle until they up production. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I think they're moving a decent amount of volume. I think, yeah, really I think high. the demand's really high on theirs because, I mean, Marlin was not shipping anything for so long, and then when Ruger picked them up, it just took them a while to probably retool and get everything going. But I really think it'll just boil down to how soon and how many – of these guns can can these companies get out there and that'll really tell you how 2024 will go yeah um, if they can get some of these if psa can get some of these concept guns out if arrow can get these lever guns out with stag i think it'll do well yeah. so um i think it'll be a good year i think it'll be a fun year because <laughs> i like lever guns <laughs> i have a henry model x and well i'm looking forward to see how nra and ram goes for you and anybody that's watching this podcast if you're going to nram Make sure to stop by the Lynx Defense booth and check out everything they've got there. Put that on your calendar. Yeah, we'll probably be uh, probably be struggling, so just come on by and check <laughs> out the bags. 
Because it's probably only going to be me and my wife, man in the booth this year. So. I almost feel guilty like I should fly down to Dallas, but I really don't want to go. <laughs> Come on down. You can, you can, I'll throw on a Lynx Defense shirt yeah, and you can, say anything you can, about my company. You, can, just, you can help I'm, out with the gum bags. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll, we'll be there. So if you want to put your hands on them in person, we'll, we'll have some. Um, we probably won't do any, like, direct sales. Um, we'll probably just allow people to buy it online, maybe now, do some, like, free you, shipping or something. If you want to come by at the end of the show. And, like, oh, yeah, we'll probably fleece up. them at the end of the show so we don't have to send them back. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a probably good discount so we just don't have to send them back. I mean, they're going to be brand-new bags. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people will probably have finger-diddle them. But demo models. Yeah, so sell them at demo prices. But, well... I guess that wraps up our SHOT Show wrap-up. There's probably so much more we could have talked about and covered, but even you could talk for three days on... We probably could. I'm getting hungry, too. Yeah, nobody wants to listen to three days' worth of SHOT Show and not be there, so... Yeah. Well, we'll wrap this up. Sounds good, man. All right. Whew.